Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a mongoose noise anytime I swear? Okay, one, what does a mongoose sound like? I don't know. I didn't know mongoose were so indecisive. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Huh. Hello, and welcome to Cage Match, colon, a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. I am your host, Sean. I remembered my own name this week. <laughs> and with my co-host, Nick, who also remembered his own name this week. It's true. I and came in prepared with it. I wrote it down. On your arm, yeah, and our uh, our good friend and producer, Peter. I almost fucked that up. <laughs> You're like, who am I? How you doing, Peter? I'm pretty good. I um, I feel like I hated this week more than anything possible. Why do you think I suggested this idea to us? Oh God, I didn't realize that it was going to be such a bad combo. I think actually. You're wrong. Good. Prove it to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they're good movies, but I think it was actually a fine week. I concur. There you go. This is good content. This is why <laughs> this is why I'm the producer, because yes. you're both wrong, and I'm going to edit it so that I am right. <laughs> Just sound clips like, I agree with Peter. <laughs> dog eat dog bad <laughs> bad dog so uh this week we are discussing the finer merits of ghost rider and dog eat dog uh, ghost rider from 2007 dog eat dog 2016 peter why don't you tell us where these were uh seated oh our, yeah so that's an important aspect of this entire thing this is a bracket of 64 everything was based on an aggregate score from imdb and rotten tomatoes which gave us our general seeding. Um, the first four episodes are all one seeds against 16. This is a, a number eight against a number nine. Ghost Rider being slightly better? Definitely better. Well, okay, so there's the end of the episode. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's let's discuss Dog Eat Dog first, shall we? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you into this. So... To really kind of get in to to tell you how shit the, the the plot and the marketing for all this is, I'm gonna give you the synopsis from Wikipedia and the synopsis from IMDb real quick. Wikipedia tells us three former prisoners, Troy, Mad Dog, and Diesel, are hired to kidnap a baby and share a big ransom payment. That's it. If we go to IMDb, we get a little more like production quality flavor and storyline carved from a lifetime of experience that runs the gamut from incarceration to liberation dog eat dog is the story of three men who are all out of prison and now have the task of adapting themselves to civilian life the california three strikes law looms over them but what the hell they're gonna do it and they're gonna do it their way Troy, an aloof mastermind, seeks an uncomplicated, clean life, but cannot get away from his hatred for the system. Diesel is on the mob's payroll, and his interest in, the, in his suburban home and his nagging wife is waning. The loose cannon of the trio, Mad Dog, is possessed by true demons within, 
which lead him from one situation to the next. One more hit, one more jackpot, and they'll all be satisfied. Troy constructs the perfect crime, and they pull it off. But in the aftermath, they find the law surrounding them wherever they go. I wish I'd watched that movie. Yeah, it sounds like, um, well, like it's got a little more going on in it. So this movie... It's how much we like this movie or not. We just don't want to talk about it. More accurately fits the one-sentence description you get from Wikipedia. Three dudes out of jail kind of suck at life and try to like get a big score with ransoming a baby. That sounds like a okay movie. It's, right. I mean, it's it's raising Arizona, but like gritty. Exactly. It's the second time Nick Cage has to abduct a baby. Yeah. I was really confused when I read the synopsis, though, on IMDb, which, again, sounds like a much better film. Yeah, it sounds like it's really got something going. Um, but the sentence that just the run on sentence that ends with uh, or that starts with the California three strike law looms over them. I thought for the first four times I read that, I'm like, do they refer to themselves as the California three? Oh, yeah. And it's when you read it out loud that I'm like, oh, no, the three strikes law. Yeah, the three strikes law. They do refer but they're to not, that. Wait, they're not in California. No, they are in Cleveland, which yeah. is a another dumb place to have a movie. No, so this movie, like, uh, you've got these guys. It starts out in just the most insanely pink room uh, with Willem Dafoe. He's on a chair doing some coke, gets a phone call for no reason. Telemarketer. Destroys the phone. Yeah, why did that have to be involved in the... Why did any of this movie have to just be Just to show he's unhinged, and so we can see his gutting knife. I, uh, there are two things about this. So I watched this after both of you, and I had gotten nothing but, oh, this is bad. And then I saw this first scene, and I was like, there are things happening that, I, that gave me hope. Um, the aggressive color palette of the first two scenes I mean, those colors are so vibrant and aggressive that they are meant to make you feel as uncomfortable as you do in the scene. I'm like, that's interesting cinematography. Maybe this won't be as awful as it is. And then it just goes away after that. Although in color theory of lighting, like aggressive pink is not an upsetting color. I was very upset by it. Well, I mean, that's fine, but... If you go to like uh, a mental institute or something, there's going to be a lot of pink on the walls because I mean, it's more calming. I also do like how... I don't think we need to read too much into it. I think is... Schrader was trying to get like really, really just like choicey. Yeah. Like he's making artistic choices. That's clear through the movie. Yeah. yeah the scene they, where all of a sudden it's black and white for no reason at the, the strip next... club. So. Yeah. Yeah. We go from colored scene, like super colorful scene to... Black and white scene. I also just want to point out for no reason. Willem Dafoe's look in this scene. He's got shorts on, sandals with socks, and a knife strapped to his ankle. Yeah, but it's just like a working knife, like because it's just a look with the sandals and socks. Yeah, it's a good look. He goes to the bathroom, and now he's doing heroin. And then this lady comes home with Sheila. her kid. Yeah, Sheila comes home with her kid. And she's putting away groceries and he like kind of saunters out and you're like, oh, okay, he lives here. And she's like, I told you, you can't stay here. And it's like, okay, he doesn't live here. And the, his car's in the shop. Yeah, his car's in the shop and he won't get it back until tomorrow. So he just needs a place to stay. Also, the kid's a piece of shit. Sheila and Mad Dog 
kind of Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Mad Dog. So, Willem Dafoe playing Mad Dog. Fuck both of you. <laughs> All right. Willem Dafoe, Mad Dog. He is trying to like sweet talk Sheila now. With the promise of spare ribs and yeah. eating ass. It's not even spare ribs. He's like, I'll make short ribs. Oh, short ribs. And he's, and she, okay, I gotta say, she's also like six to eight inches taller than him. And she's a large lady. And to see him just like almost on his tiptoes trying to like give her kisses and try to be sweet. While he's got this like wild ass, like Willem Dafoe kind of like aggressive mustache and look and he's in these shorts he looks like like kind of just a child trying to <laughs> kiss his mom <laughs> so she's like okay you can stay one night but that's it and he's like okay so he goes back to the bathroom to clean up or whatever for dinner do more drugs yeah but i mean that's what we in the drug industry call cleaning up and just, <laughs> I, I left all these drugs out i gotta clean them up putting them in my body I don't drink. I don't. I don't do. I don't do drugs. That was very convincing. <laughs> so she sits down at her computer, and then all of a sudden she's screaming, and like he has to come out, and she's like, "What the fuck do I use my computer for? I use it for uh, my spreadsheets, for I don't know, church business, and replying to emails." <laughs> and it's just Asian it's like, teen squirting. Yeah. <laughs> Asian teen squirters and I was just like giving this kind of like what I didn't know I couldn't do that so she kicks him out and he's like I'm, I can't go and she's like you're fucking out of here like, I got a suitcase full of guns <laughs> yeah, that's so his excuse like, why he can't leave <laughs> so <laughs> she's like I don't care so he's like kind of tussling with her but she's obviously way bigger and stronger than him and so he grabs his knife and just cuts her throat and while she's going down he like stabs her a few more times but then the shithead kid like she comes down the stairs and willem's like well you gotta go now too so he goes to the previously aforementioned suitcase full of guns because apparently stabbing a child's not good gotta shoot it grabs a revolver chases the kid upstairs and puts a pillow over the kid and then from about eight inches away shoots the kid so the twice yeah the pillow's not really doing anything to muffle the noise at this point. It's, it's mostly there so we don't have to see a child murder. Or a mannequin murder. Because I bet that wasn't a real child, Sean. I bet that child didn't die. I bet they lied to us. I mean, this does continue the tradition so far of every child in a Nick Cage film is terrible. Except for Handpan. Except for Handpan. Except for Handpan. Handpan's got it going on. <laughs> Handpan shouldn't get shot in the head twice. Yeah. So then we move on and to black and white. Yeah. Black and white scene. Um, Enter Nick Cage. Yeah. And he kind of what is this where he talks about how like nobody likes Mad Dog, but he this, owes Mad Dog because he kind of helped him out in prison. This is the exposition scene. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So that's why he alone likes Mad Dog. Yeah. Then we get into talking about like how these three guys. The third oh, being Diesel. Yeah. Diesel, who has absolutely no history given to us in this movie i don't think like apparently he's got connections with the mob and he's got a suburban home and a nagging wife which none of that's in the film none of it you never see any of that diesel's a debt collector is what they give him also diesel is played by christopher matthew cook who i don't know anything about exactly 
I thought it was Will Sasso for a second when it when the movie first started in black and white. Yeah. I'm like, this is a stretch for Sasso. Yeah. So these three guys, what they do is they just collect loans for people, you know, mob people, most likely. But because of the California three strikes law, these guys have to be careful. That's all you need to know about these three guys. They're shitty like criminals, because obviously they've been to prison twice now. Uh, Mad Dogs, Wild, uh, we should say Nicolas Cage, Troy, he fancies himself like a a pretty smooth dude. I actually kind of think that he, like the character, saw one too many Oceans movies and just thinks that he's Danny Ocean. Yeah, he's... Like, he really tries for that. He's the fixer. Even though, like, he's obviously trying to pull a a Humphrey Bogart. Because he looks like Bogart. Someone told him that in prison. Yeah. It's like, well, sure. Kind of, but stretched out. Yeah. So, these guys, they do a job... They, uh, I think it was in like Atlantic City or some shit. I don't know. Uh, They, I don't know, they just get a guy to give them the money they owe. A defense attorney who's, you know, been taking bribes wants to collect off an old client. So they go posing as cops in a crappy black sedan with bad white tape to spell police on it. Nab him, take him to the house where they keep drugs and money, safe house and... Uh, so they go to the projects with this dude. Uh, I mean, it's clearly supposed to be the projects. I don't think Cleveland has that, but I didn't look into it. They complain a lot about rap music and Taylor Swift in these scenes. It's insane how many times Taylor Swift is brought up in this movie. Yes. They talk about it when they're just talking about getting out of jail. They like There's a Taylor Swift song, I think, at one point. I don't know. But like her name, there's posters for Taylor Swift. There's a at the strip club they hang out at on the sign outside. It says Taylor Swift lookalike oh, contest. Yeah, yeah, the Taylor Swift lookalike contest. And then so at the, the end, Nick Cage is reading a maxim with Taylor Swift on the cover. Yeah, it's so dumb. They take this guy to the projects, <laughs> shake him down. They get the drugs. There wasn't money. I'm assuming they just sold the drugs because in the next scene, they're in a hotel room and Nick Cage shows up with a whole bunch of money and like yeah. splits it up between the guys. So like each one got like nine grand out of this. Yeah. And then they have a party. Yeah. And then they have a party where they proceed to just like do other drugs. Jump on the bed. Jump on the bed. Yeah. Have pillow fights. Have a food fight. Drink fruity pebbles with orange juice. Yeah. All sorts of like weird stuff. It, it's a... It's the dumbest party I've ever seen. It's meant to show uh, you how close they are as a group. Because we're not going to get any other character development this entire film. No, that, that, they've wrapped it up now. It's good. You know who likes who and who doesn't. So Nick Cage and this sex worker are... <laughs> let me say that less shitty. Nick Cage and this lady of the evening are doing their thing. She Try- kind of plays him. He's like, trying to take her to Nice. Yeah, he's like planning this expensive trip to Nice, which obviously he's not going to be able to do with the nine grand or whatever. He just spent uh, probably a lot of on her. He bought her a tourmaline bracelet. Yeah. And the other guys do their own shitty things. This scene, it's probably the second most important scene because then they decide they're going to like get a bigger job the next day because they don't have any money. So he goes to this guy, the Greek. The Greek. It, it's the guy who gives them jobs. Played by the director. Yeah. Because nobody else wanted to take the role. Yeah. Yeah. He asked a bunch of people. Some of the names that he approached for this role, who all didn't take it, were uh, Michael uh, Wincott, Michael Douglas, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Nick Nolte, Christopher Walken, Jeff Goldblum, and 
Rupert Everett. Literally any of those guys would have been better at acting than Paul Schrader. Than a non-actor. This was yeah. Schrader's first uh, it was acting his role. debut performance. It, it shows. Yeah, so this it's just is, a series of unfortunate events from here. Uh, they get a job. They're told, go abduct this guy's kid. We'll ransom it. We'll give you guys uh, $750,000. Right. So he's like, great. They're like, uh, okay. Nicholas Cage thinks in his head, he's like, oh, it's kind of dangerous. This accessory for ransoming kids that are usually found, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but he decides to do it anyways, because otherwise there wouldn't be a movie. Shame. They go, they make this plan. They they agree that it's either success or death. Yeah, success or death. Because they don't want, no one can turn. So if they're not going to succeed, they're going to do it samurai style. Yeah, ride or die. Ride or die. They go to Willem the, the, the known samurai phrase, ride or die. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see what's confusing about that. So they go Samurais to the horses. Yeah. Or they died. A running samurai doesn't have a very good chance in a battle. Samurai pod. <laughs> uh, they go to this house, break in. The dad's not supposed to be there, but he is there because his baby mama's bringing her boyfriend around. So he's there with a gun, passes out. They break in. Best criminals ever wear no masks. Yeah, no mask, no gloves, whatever. Uh, the dad walks into the baby's room as they're there, says, you guys done fucked up, and then Mad Dog explodes his head with a shotgun. So they take this baby, they take the kid's, like, nurse or whatever, like, nanny, lock her in a house. Great. Last time we see that lady or that baby. Moving on. Like, Troy gets a phone call from the Greek, and he's like, hey, you guys have uh, had some problems? And Nicolas Cage is like, oh, yeah, but nothing like too big. And the Greek's like, well, you shot the guy we're supposed to get money from. And they're like, no, we didn't. We shot Jose Vasquez. It's like, well, no, who you shot was Brennan, blah, blah, blah. Which is such a dumb, like, just way to pull the rug out from under them because they checked his wallet. He had an ID that said otherwise. What's why? What's the point? Well, he's obviously a criminal. I just meant in terms of this story that, spo- again, spoiler alert, this is where this story point stops. Yeah. Elsewhere, keep wanting to call Diesel Dom, but I know it's not a Fast and the Furious movie. Because uh, then it would be inter- watchable? Uh, that's debatable as you get towards the end. Nine was garbage. They're disposing of the body. Mad Dog and Diesel are getting rid of the body. Diesel's got, or not... Mad Dog's got a place. Mad Dog also wants to confess something to Diesel. Yeah, so he talks about how sad, like, while they're out disposing of a body, uh, he's like, oh man, you and you and Troy, you guys are so cool, and I just want to be cool with you, and I know you don't like me, and this is real hard, and it's such a wacky Willem Dafoe insecurity speech. Yeah. It's just strange to kind of sit through. So they ditch the body. Uh, hijinks ensue as the floor gives out on this second floor and they fall through. I really started to fade uh, in this part of the movie. Diesel and Mad Dog not uh, getting along. They start to argue, whatever. Diesel shoots Mad Dog. Boom. One character done. We can move on. Diesel starts going back. He calls Troy. Troy's like, well, we got a problem because... We shot the guy and Diesel's like, well, we got a problem, too, because Mad Dog's out. He's not coming back. Don't seem like Troy doesn't seem that broken up about it. Whatever. Nobody is because this movie. Awesome. They get back together. Troy and Diesel. 
They had to go get snacks. Yeah, Diesel wanted snacks, so they go to a they go to an Apple grocery store. We're back at the uh, grocery store. Nick Cage stays in the car. Diesel's his Maxim with Taylor Swift on the cover. Correct. Uh, Diesel goes inside. While he's inside reaching for something, the manager sees that Diesel's packing heat, and he calls the cops. One cop's like, oh, when they show up, one cop's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go in and check. And then lady cop, you go over there and run the plates on that car. So lady cop drives the cop car over, parks behind. And instead of just running the plates, just like goes up, knocks on the window. I was like, hey, she gets Cage's ID. Uh, he gets out of the car because she tells him to. There's like some kerfuffle and he decks her yeah he decks her which is totally not cool because she wasn't trying to burn him and we've established you can punch women if they're trying to burn you but only once no other reasons why you can episode four please see episode four wicker man for this rule that we will stick to forever uh and you should too diesel is coming out and he sees uh cage just be a real douche and punch a lady and then she like the other cops got caged at this point oh yeah yeah uh and so diesel's like fuck it i'm a shoot a hoe and so he pulls out his gun and he shoots a cop and then diesel books it gets steals uh, oh yeah yeah diesel runs off other cop chases him no other cops still holding the cage more cops show up oh yeah i just watched this like 10 minutes before you guys showed up uh he kills another cop no, he shoots the other cop in the leg. Doesn't kill this one, but steals his car. And as he's driving away, drives back through the parking lot just to, you know, give a bird to the first cop. Yeah. And then has a heart attack and dies. Yeah. It's like, that's a shitty cinema moment. I mean, the last 120 minutes have been shitty cinema moments. We move on. Cage gets arrested. Other cops take him to a quarry and proceed to kick oh, the shit yeah. out of him for being a cop killer, even though, yeah, he punched that lady a few times. Uncool. Uncool. And then beat him up a bit. Then strap him or handcuff him to the side of the car and, like, drag him through the quarry. Yeah, they handcuffed him to the seatbelt, which they closed outside of the car. Which seems like the perfect place to end this movie, but fade to black, fade back into a diner and we have a nice couple leave the diner only to be held up at gunpoint by a fairly beat up nick cage now doing a bad humphrey humphrey bogart yeah now he's like he was always kind of trying to do the accent but now he's like fully leaned into it he takes this preacher and his wife when he when he goes to get in their car he says just the dumbest thing he looks at the priest or the preacher and he's just like you ever been inside you ever do time and the priest is like, yeah, I have. Well, then you know how it is. Yeah. They're always, they say they forgive you, but they haven't. Yeah. Um, they're driving him away. Some cops go to like pull him over or some shit. Gets out of the car and the cops are like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. And then like the cops just unload and shoot like the Everybody. yeah, the, the kill the people who are in the car, kill Nick Cage, who's like definitely far enough away from the car that nobody should have been shooting into the car then that's it who cares that's and this whole final scene again 
I rewatched it to make sure that like when they were dragging him through the quarry that the handcuff broke or something. Because how does he get away? Did they just let him go? Well, it's not like he has a handcuff on his wrist in the next scene anyways. No, and that, no reason. that scene also starts with the news talking about how Troy and whatever Diesel's real name were, were pronounced dead at the scene. So just, it makes no sense. Was this his crazy, like, death throw of his brain? I think that's definitely what it's supposed to be. It's not clear. Uh, agreed. Because, it, it, like, the big lean into the, the Bogart stuff. Yeah. He talks about how in previous movies, he's chosen to channel a former or an older actor or something for the role. And he said that in this one, he just, like, really went into it and, like, he channeled Humphrey Bogart. It's funny because in the, the next scene. movie we're going to talk about Ghost Rider, he channels Sling Blade. I don't know if I'm supposed to take the bait on this one. I know whatever I say will get edited out, though. <laughs> uh, Sling Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Those replicants are funny. <laughs> Not funny. Ha <laughs> ha. We got to wrap this one. It's an insufferably bad movie. <laughs> what? Okay, but just to go, I mean... To this get, is a zero out of ten. To get I to have the crux of, 30 minutes more material for after the movie. Well, just to get to the crux of this podcast, which is about Nicolas Cage films, this is like the most non-performance I've seen him give yet, and I watched Left Behind. I'm kind of fascinated by this dichotomy, because like Willem Dafoe's a pretty unhinged character actor, yeah. right? Prime Defoe. This is just Defoe and is an element. What, what yeah. I find really interesting about Defoe is that people, you know, the James Francos of the world and Tobey Maguire's and Spider-Man are like, oh, I don't know. How do you get into the, the mindset of it? And Willem Defoe's like, I read the script and I just do the things that they say. <laughs> and like, I think that Cage is much more of that like cerebral. Oh, you yeah, know, totally. Yeah. And this one, it's such a fucking like wet fart performance from him. It's just, just nothing. Nothing from there. Cage. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's let's put a fucking bow on this one. Last thoughts, both of you, oh. then quotes. Uh, I do that I liked one I think I like more. Uh, first, you've got Troy. This is in the scene where he's trying to find him a better job. And he's like, I'll get us a real good gig. I'll get us such a good gig. Nab the tits right off. Eh, I mean, it was an okay line. In a, well, it's not an okay line. It's a shitty line in a shitty script. But when they're abducting the baby... Troy, the nanny, the baby, and Mad Dog. And Troy's saying to the nanny, can you shut this baby up? No, you know how. Where's the thing you put in the fucking baby's mouth? Uh, what's it called? And Mad Dog just says, real quiet, uh, dick? It's like, Mad Dog, fucking seriously. <laughs> yeah, the only, the only quote I have on this is actually not a Nick Cage one, and it was from Paul Schrader. And uh, he was quoted as saying, I've made some important films. Dog Eat Dog is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Let's talk about what I think is comedy gold, Ghost Rider. Spiritual film, colon, Ghost Rider. Spiritual film, colon, Ghost Rider. Based on the Marvel comic, most everyone I feel who's listening to this at least knows who Ghost Rider is. Stuntman, Johnny Blaze. I wrote Johnny Cage in my notes. Stuntman Johnny Blaze makes a Faustian bargain and becomes the devil's bounty hunter, the ghost writer, tasked with stopping the literal son of Satan, Blackheart, and his emo boy band from obtaining the contract of San Venganza, a contract of a thousand evil souls. This movie starts off with Sam Elliott doing his best Sam Elliott impression to narrate the contract of San Venganza, which will get expositioned two more times in this film, so there's no point to this scene. 
somewhat explaining the legend of the Ghost Rider and how one Ghost Rider kept the contract and outran the devil. Then we cut to a young Johnny Blaze and his father, Barton Blaze, doing a motorcycle jump that is, at most, three feet across through a large ring of fire. Which, I mean, I guess if I was a hick from Texas in, I assume, the 70s, maybe impressive? Don't sue us, Texas. Those lawyers only have law degrees from Texas, which I don't think count in the rest of the country. Johnny has a crush. Johnny has a girlfriend, Roxy, who's being shipped off to uh, live with her mom because apparently the carnival's no place to uh, raise a child. So this is a love story about two carnies is where we start. I gotta say, so the casting for young Eva Mendez... Pretty fucking good. It looks like yes, just like a young Mendes. And the casting for a young Nicolas Cage looks nothing like Nicolas Cage. It looks yeah. like the dude who played Goku in that bad, like, Americanized version of Dragon Ball. Oh, um, yeah. But the best part is to connect those two characters of Nicolas Cage and not Nicolas Cage, they just made Johnny Blaze keep the same haircut since he was 17. And blue contacts. Oh, he had contacts. vivid blue eyes in this. Roxy's being shipped away. Johnny notches their uh, initials into a tree. That'll come back later. She's going to be shipped off, so what are they going to do? So Johnny decides he's going to run away with the with his girlfriend. They're both 17 at the time. Johnny goes home to plan his inevitable escape to find out his father is dying of cancer. So he goes to work on the bikes to get away from his dad and blow off some steam where Peter Fonda shows up as Mephistopheles, who has my favorite line in this film because he's walking through the carnival and as he's walking through, all the lights are like exploding around him and he just stops, looks around and goes, far out. That's the devil, folks. Shows up and offers Johnny a deal. You know, I will save your father's life. Uh, You just have to sell me your soul. And Johnny doesn't so much agree as he just goes and looks at the contract, cuts his thumb on the spiky... Yeah, devil magic stuff. Devil magic stuff, and gets some blood on there, and Peter Fonda's like, oh, that'll do. The next day, Barton's cured of cancer. Everything's going great. He's like, hey, I got my my scans back from this morning. Yeah, Yeah. I'm perfectly fine. Um, Fit as a fiddle. I wake up so early that I can go in and get cancer tests done. Yeah. So the next day, they're preparing for the show or Barton's preparing for the show. Johnny's not getting ready. Barton's like, what is going on? He's like, Roxy's dad's going to send her away. We got to go. It's like, that's, that's a great plan. The cops are going to get you before you get to the, you know, county line. But Barton's got a soft spot for his kid and young love. So agrees to help his child uh, perform a kidnapping and gives them the fastest bike they got. Yeah. Which happens to be a chopper, which is not a fast bike. As Johnny is like walking his way out of the, uh, out of the carnival, you hear Barton go up and, Goes out like a bitch. Yeah. His motorcycle's going up the ramp, and then he just falls over, and the next time we see his body, it's lightly singed, but he's dead. Yeah. This is this is roughly even... when I, like, lost it and could not tolerate this movie. Oh, but it gets man. so... This is, like, this is the preamble to what is the best part of this film, which is Nicolas Cage. So Johnny drives in the rain to find Roxy at the tree and just looks at her and drives off. Cut to a years like cut to a now 50-year-old Nicolas Cage jumping a large number of cab trucks. The tractor. Yeah. From a tractor trailer setup. Um it's like, you know, you can't live in fear. And he, you know, jumps him and just completely eats it on the landing. 
the front uh, the front wheel of the bike goes over it like smashes his helmet and he like slides into the wall and then you know his uh best friend and guy runs the crew uh Man. mac played by uh donal loge my favorite character actor ever make sure he's okay everything's fine Woo! the unkillable man mr immortal although the best part about this is nick cage johnny i'm wondering if this was just something to try and fuck with the rating of this film but he doesn't drink he just has a martini glass of yellow and red jelly beans and he swirls it before he like <laughs> them down yeah they talk about not in the film but uh outside of the film they talk about him making this choice of changing johnny and like taking away the drinking and the smoking and stuff so in the previous one he's always like throwing away his dad's cigarettes yeah. and stuff like that and so in this one they've decided to like he just decided like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna play him clean yeah johnny blaze is portrayed as such larger than my thing and i i was born and raised on a coast i don't know what happens between coasts but I can't imagine going down to the Sobe Arena to watch a 10 minute, a 10 second stunt of a guy like jumping a football field and that being a satisfying day. Johnny gets home. Uh, Mac is giving him, you know, more shit about he's getting into the cult, a cult. He's got a bunch of religious texts. There's a lot of cool illustrations of demons. We see more and more of just the weird character that is Johnny Blaze. More jelly beans. More monkey fights. More what, monkey. Yeah, oh, Johnny yeah. Blaze has a weird obsession with monkeys, with chimps specifically. In this scene, he's just like channeling a five-year-old. Yes. He's like, oh, he's got there's a, a there's a documentary on chimpanzees. I want to see it. He's got and a carafe of jelly beans, and he like asks him, I was like, want any jellies? Also, I think Johnny might have been hit on the head or crashed one too many times or suffered so much head trauma because the accent is thicker than when he was younger and much worse. Yeah. And he still has, again, the haircut of a 17-year-old boy. And uncontrollable laughter. And apparently... He's just watching the TV. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the, the hairpiece took three hours to attach every day. Ugh. Um, while all this is going on, we cut to the desert where Blackheart, played by Wes Bentley... Which is a guy that I always forget is a real person <laughs> until I see him. I'm like, oh, yeah, Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley, in, uh, 2000, in a 2010 interview, admitted that at, this was at the height of his cocaine use. And pretty much every role he took in this era of his work was solely to buy more drugs. Yeah, that's cool. Um, drugs are cool. <laughs> I don't do drugs, but drugs are cool. <laughs> yeah, he shows up and he only talks like this. He's trying to find the contract of San Venganza. He didn't fall like his father. So Mephistopheles has no control over him on this plane. So Mephistopheles is like, well, I'm going to get the ghost right to kick your ass. He's like, good luck with that. So he goes and harasses some bikers, kills them all, like clears out a biker bar. That's when the Planeteers show up. Blackheart's boy band of earth, water, and wind. Yeah, there was an air demon. Yeah. Who are all apparently fallen angels who hide amongst the elements. So the three real demons we get in this movie, like this CG heavy action thriller, we get a guy who's just looks like Pigpen from Peanuts, just coated in dirt. A that guy with oh, no, that's no, dirt. Yeah. A guy with just wild hair and sharp teeth and a shitty hair. mustache and a shitty mustache. And then a guy who is just wet. Wet boy. <laughs> He's the best one. And what's what's great is they they blew their entire wet boy uh, budget on him being a puddle. Him well, him like showing up out of water the first time in that really bad mid 
2000s CG for Liquid that they hadn't gotten down yet. Like, it hadn't gotten any better since The Secret World of Alex Mack. Johnny is about to jump. Max, like, you can't jump 50 cars. That's crazy. You're already jumping a football field. And Johnny's like, I gotta prove it's me. When he's getting ready, he, like, chugs coffee out of a coffee pot. Just being more weird. Being a weird celebrity again. And he tells Max, like, don't worry, I took the cars out. It's like, oh, Max, like, oh, thank you. Thank you. That way, you know, if you crash, you'll just have soft grass to fall on. And as he's going out to do his stunt, he takes his cane. Roxy shows up to interview him because now she's a news anchor. And, oh, the most awkward interview proceeds. Like, right before Action's called, like, well, how you been? I heard you got married. She didn't get married. It fell through. And he's just, <laughs> and it just leads up to her asking him, like, well, this whole life of celebrity and being on the road and death-defying, has it ever cost you anything in your life, anything important in your life? Did you miss out on anything? And he just, like, solid two-beat stare into the, nothing. He goes, it, it, uh, yeah. And that's the interview. And then he asks her to stay for the show, and she's just like, I never like to watch you perform, Johnny, and she leaves. And so Johnny goes to do the show, and as Max, like, walking him through the setup, and it's like, I'm so glad you got rid of the cars, the dome of the aforementioned Sobe Dome opens and six Apache helicopters land. <laughs> He's like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, well, you would have freaked out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not really into watching ritual sacrifice. And Johnny's like, do you think she's on the freeway? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he just like guns it and just does the jump before they're ready just to get to the other end so he can just bail on the show and like chase her down the freeway. And after being told she didn't like watching him risk his life, He's doing so much dumb, like, tricks next to the car to, like, show off for her. Like, riding on the handlebars. Okay. When he's riding on the handlebars, though, and, like, talking to her, and he's, you know, you can see, like, one hand, he's actually, like, I'm air quoting right here, working the throttle and keeping the bike in place. And <laughs> in order to have a, a, a larger conversation with he scoots back on the bike, but it's just like, if I was sitting on a bench... And just kind of lifted a leg and scooted back and lifted a leg and scooted back. And it's like, that's that's not how you would like you don't even have anything to put your feet on to like <laughs> scoot like that. I'm assuming you can put your feet on the fender and like, but you'd have to like lean the bike to offset as your weight is adjusted. This is the second And we all know about bike leaning. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what we call a callback. So, but he gets the date. He asks, like, do you do you still like Italian? italian <laughs> um gets the date he can't she's like don't be late so we cut to her in the restaurant downing a bottle of wine like looking at her like looking at her phone there are no messages so johnny's already late we cut to him in his apartment talking about how he can't be afraid just staring in a mirror just psyching himself up for a date he's already late for you see his weird abs oh yeah <laughs> booga, booga, booga scene. it's always so strange when nick cage like works out because you just, I, I assume that he would have just lived his life like any of us, like a normal dude. <laughs> Nick with, Cage is just abs. like one of us? Yeah. I mean, I think so. When he hears a motorcycle outside, Mephistopheles is there. We're 45 minutes into this movie right now. And he's told that, you know, it's time to pay up on that contract and he's got to go stop Blackheart. And Johnny's like, that's your problem. Gets on, again, the bike that... The devil had waiting for him outside, and then the bike just shoots down the road, shooting fire out the back of it, blowing cars into local uh, businesses, destroying uh, this part of Texas. And 
the bike takes him to the cemetery where the contract used to be. Mm-hmm. And now at just over 50 minutes of the film, the bike like thrusts him onto the floor and we see the actual Ghost Rider transformation for the first time, which still looks pretty cool. Yeah. And we see the most, I think the most cage scene we've seen yet in this podcast. Oh, when he transformations. Just goes between screaming and laughing maniacally and transforms into a pretty cool rendition of the Ghost Rider. 2007 still like the cg for the most part still holds up like the fire looks cool yeah the uh the skull was actually based on x-rays of nick cage's head like they designed it after nick cage's actual skull well at least it would fit like face bits and stuff just kind of burn away so it it transitions nicely into a skull with cheekbones in the correct spot yeah it's not too bad and then it's and it's I'm, only ever good as long as it's not in a scene with anybody. The first transformation, like the appearance then kind of sucks because of the jacket he's wearing. Yeah. His second jacket better, but it's mostly because of how it No, it's not even like the spikes and like the cool gauntlets and everything. Those all do make him a lot cooler. But that first jacket, it looks so like padded and yeah. like V-shaped. His torso looks enormous. What I always found really weird, too, is I don't know how familiar you are with, like, human hand bones, but they're, like, it's just, you know, little strings of bones or just little rows of bones that go from your wrist to the end of your fingers. So just seeing that on fire is not impressive at all. It just looks like he has tiny baby hands. Yeah. And here, so here's my connection to Wicker Man. As he's rocking up to uh, stop Blackheart, a uh, fucking semi truck comes out of nowhere and just smashes him into a train. Just like, Barn! yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's by the dirt guy who we never actually see his power because he's just dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not it. I mean, we want to see actions. I I just need like three or four seconds of like I don't know people exploding in dirt and like people sinking in dirt. And, like, people just, like, ruining their white pants <laughs> on dirt. I'm assuming this is the pain he causes. Yeah. It's mostly dirt-related pain. People exploding? Yeah, with dirt. With dirt. Yeah, can you imagine if... Well, it's like a... You remember vacuums that when they had, like, the internal bag? But if you overfilled it, yeah. dirt everywhere. <laughs> That's what people are. Yeah, we're just a vessel for dirt. <laughs> and eventually the dirt comes out. In our white pants on our white pants one other really interesting part of this is how they did the really demonic uh, ghostwriter voice they had nick cage record the lines then they filtered those through three separate animal noises growls played backwards and then put it through like a mechanical volumizer before adding like adding like charcoal crackle probably the most interesting production part of it for me because i would listen to it and it's like when uh sam elliott ghosted out you could tell it was Sam Elliott. When Nicolas Cage ghosts out, it's like, I can hardly even understand what they're saying. Yeah. And, uh, oh God, there's a great, there's a great action film one-liner. Ghost Rider uh, rocks out from behind the truck, taps him on the shoulders like, hey, dirtbag. I love that line. proceeds to like burn him up. Oh yeah, with the chain. Just wraps his flamey chain around him and that sends him back to hell. All the while, Roxy is still in the restaurant just drinking more wine at one point, she pulls out a magic eight ball. Yeah, what was the deal with the eight ball? I don't know. They never established it in their, like, past stories. No, I was, was going to ask you if that was, like, a comic 
known trope for the only character. thing I can think of is the orb who is a character who just has a giant eyeball as a head that doesn't seem like that's what they were going for no but it's the only thing I can think of <laughs> um and my favorite Roxy line from the film is she's like downed at least a full bottle of wine and the waiter's just kind of circling the whole time and she's like you think I'm pretty right and he just goes <laughs> just walks off yeah, because that waiter has a chance with, you know, somebody better looking than Ava Mendes. But then the ghost rider drives through town after destroying the dirt demon, but letting Blackheart and the rest get away. They don't show they don't show them escaping. He just kills one of them and just fucks off. Oh, but then we see the bike actually turn into the hell cycle for the first time. True. Which, oh God, the hell cycle reeks of the Spawn movie. This whole movie reeks of the Spawn movie. The CG is better. Yeah. Then he stops a mugging where a goth chick's being like getting her purse stolen. Rebel Wilson, also first appearance in cinema. Oh, yeah. That was Josie's favorite part of the movie, the Rebel Wilson <laughs> interview. And, Thanks, uh, Ghost Rider. Just and <laughs> with the description of him and just being like, his head was on fire. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she buries the lead with that one, too, because she's like, well, you know, he was like thin, but like not too thin. He was like cut. <laughs> he like had a cool motorcycle. Oh, and his head was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> his head was a skull. This is the first time we see the pennant stare. So when the ghost rider looks into evil's eyes and deep in their eyes, yeah, can like make them relive all the pain they've caused and it kills them. This is when we're introduced to Sam Elliott, who solely plays Sam Elliott in this film, who is in the caretaker, care, plays the caretaker of the cemetery where Barton Blaze is buried. Convenient. And uh, says his one memorable line from this film. Hey, bonehead. Finds out about the contract. We get all the exposition that we should have gotten half an hour ago. This movie is two hours long for no reason. Like I said, it's an hour until we see Ghost Rider, which it doesn't need to be. We get a few more fight scenes. He admits to Roxy what's going on, that he's the devil's bounty hunter, and she thinks he's insane or just lying to her because wouldn't you? Um, but then, I of course, lie to a woman. <laughs> the best scene in the film where he's in jail and he's surrounded by evil people. And just starts losing his shit. Gets into a one of the in, uh, one of the guys in Jen in the holding cell, like rips his jacket and starts you know haranguing him. And then just the coolest visual scene is he ghost riders out, like blows everyone away, like across the room into bars. And he's walking through, and as he's walking, sprinklers are going off when he's walking under them. There's a lot of visual flavor in this scene. And then like goes up to the guy who ripped his jacket, like nice jacket. Gets the jacket, gets the gloves, which hold up, which hide the like the baby, baby fingers. And when he walks to the end of the uh, uh, end of the cell, the bars just melt around him. Like just there's a lot of love that went into this scene. The one motorcycle chase we get in this, he fights the wind boy. There's a police helicopter chasing him. Cage or goes right or like lassos it. And he's like, come here. <laughs> and the helicopter pilot's like, no. <laughs> he's like, you're pissing me off. Uh, just the come here no i don't think oh I'm and going before, to. before he kills the uh before he kills the wind guy he says time to clear the air <laughs> there's so many good just bad puns in this he defeats the wind boy uh who says like you can't catch the wind so he like spins a chain on fire and catches the wind goes back to the caretaker this is when we find out that the caretaker is actually the ghost rider who escaped with the contract you know, Ghost Rider's up. He's like, I got one more ride in me. And they ride 500 miles to San Venganza, get there. Then he simulates back up and he's like, 
I can only do it one more time, and I saved it for this. Saved it for what? He, why did he even go at that point? Well, yes, and he le- like he leaves the scene, like he rides off into the sun, well, into the sunrise, being like, "I've done a lot of bad. I'm hoping this is enough for him to forgive me." Enough? What you you whisked out at the end? You could have rode bitch on the motorcycle, got to San Vanganza, and then both of you just curb stomp, fucking West Bentley. But they doesn't. He hands him his shotgun and they go on there and he goes on his way. How much would you love to see Sam Elliott riding bitch behind Ghost Rider on a motorcycle? That's all I want to say. Just with his arms lightly wrapped around Ghost Rider's waist. Bony arms, though, right? Although that would be really funny if they were both ghosted out. (laughs) Like two like badass bone boys, just heads ablaze, arms gently wrapped around each other. Wait, how did he kill Waterboy or Wetboy? Uh, so he's like he's walking his motorcycle through a shallow pond, and he gets pulled down into this very deep pond now, and Waterboy's just like trying to drown him. So he just ghost riders out and boils him. Yeah, he just turns on fire, which is his one power, dumbass. Which is also just kind of dumb because we don't get a one liner for that one. Yeah, because he's underwater. We get to the fight, throws him the uh, the contract, but then they start tussling. He eventually gets the contract, which gives him the power of bad CG red eyes. And uh, Wes Bentley's one memorable line from the film. Yeah, so he gets we the, are legion. He gets the contract. That, we are many. That lets him absorb all the souls. All the souls. Which is how we got which, to this point. Like, thousand, I don't think we addressed what was actually going to happen. A but. thousand. Well, we didn't know what was going to happen until this point. But a thousand souls. He gets the power of a thousand souls. I'm pretty sure hell has more than a thousand souls. So, yeah, they tussle. Uh, Roxy actually kind of comes to the rescue and like starts shooting uh, Wes Bentley because now they're in daylight and he can't be Ghost Rider in daylight so he's trying to get into a crypt oh, like in the shadows where he can Ghost Rider out she distracts Wes Bentley with the two shots left in the shotgun you know Nick Cage is like throw me the gun it's like it's out throw me the gun she, she throws him the gun and he like thrusts his hands into the shadow and it, the gun gets Ghost rider out and he shoots Wes Bentley blowing him up and then Oh, the one thing earlier is he tried to penance there, uh, Blackheart, but he has no soul to burn. So Nick Cage, you know, Ghost Riders out, grabs him. He's like, you know, now you're full of a thousand souls. Feel them all burn and burns them all up. Killing uh, Blackheart, Mephistopheles shows up. like, cool, you fulfilled the contract. Just give me back the Ghost Rider and I'll be on my way. Johnny Blaze's like, no, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to use it against you. And the devil gets mad and fucks off johnny drives them back to the tree from their childhood which i can't imagine was that close where they have their where they say their goodbye and have their last awkward kiss of the movie i do want to talk about one i do want to get to the point in one part of this film i do want to get to the point in the, uh one point of this film which is the There's point point to it well, no, there's that awkward, he like stands at the side, raises his arm kind of above eye level and points down at people from far away. And that's how Johnny Blaze always points. Oh, yeah. They do it seven times in this film. And I have to imagine that there was just some key concept art of Ghost Rider doing that. So Nick Cage just made that his thing. I thought it was the only way the CG people could make Ghost Rider do it. Like, like they did a mock-up of the CG and it's like, well, this is how a bony hand is going to point. That's probably so you're it. You're going to have like a dumb claw when you point at oh, shit. But it's, uh, it's, it's so funny to see him and young him do it 
throughout the film. Oh yeah, yeah. They establish this is how he points. Yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty much Ghost Rider. Yeah. Do you have any favorite quotes from this film? Uh I liked the two one-liners like the hey dirtbag and uh well, whatever uh clear the air. Time to clean the clear the air. Yeah. I wish he would have thrown out a like got to get wet to stay wet. <laughs> I I really enjoyed not necessarily a spoken line, but when Ghost Rider jumps the bike off of a bridge and then like gets it to raise up on the water and then just rides away on top of the river, flipping off the cops. Yeah, that's my unspoken quote that I loved. I do, I do like uh, when he goes right and goes uh, 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 and oh, wags yeah. his finger. My favorite Nick Cage line, Max, like changing the channel and there's a monkey. There's a chimp documentary on and Nick Cage goes, put the monkey show on Mac, Mac, the monkey show. As far as like uh superhero movies and stuff were going at this time i mean we're trending forward i mean not necessarily spider-man really set the bar yeah but blade was pretty good too blade was the first yeah but i mean you know in terms of a comic accurate ghostwriter this was pretty close yeah it's not bad it's not what i wanted in 2007 being a huge marvel fan he really pushed for this role he wanted to do this like he loves marvel comics yeah he stole the name cage from luke cage power man but yeah, I watched both these movies twice and I enjoyed one of them twice. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that uh, I think we're on the same page with this. I don't think Dog Eat Dog is really going down this week. It's no. going to be big winner. Yeah. Yeah. Dog Wait. Eat Dog. Taking it all the way. Wait, what? No, no. Credits. Roll them. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I'm going to assume you're being facetious. Yeah, yeah. No, Dog Eat Dog sucked. It was, Ghost uh, Rider's an awesome comedy. Yeah, it's good. And clearly a lot of love went into it from a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people really enjoyed making it. Whether Peter enjoyed the movie or not is irrelevant. I didn't, and you're right. (laughs) Um, What is coming up next, Peter? All right, next up, we have our comedy bracket. It's uh, It Could Happen to You and Racing with the Moon. I have not watched either of these. Our, our non-planned sequential pairings continues with uh, it's Bridget Fonda, which is Peter Fonda's daughter. It, it, these are weirdly connecting. Yeah. All right. Well, from uh, from Hayden's bedroom, we wish you all a good day and a good night. Yeah. Do us a favor and rate us five stars uh, and subscribe. Even if you don't like us. Yeah. Oh, I figured you meant something about cloacas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could have. I mean, I gotta say, a cloaca makes a lot of sense. Like, that's an efficient hole. Yeah. It's for piss and shit and fucking maximize one orifice. This is really less appealing the more you talk about it. (laughs) Listen, you heard it here. I'm pro cloaca. (laughs) Deal with it. A hole's a hole, man. What's better? Like, here, you tell me where. I'm just gonna. uh... Uh. Yeah, go up. Uh, Stop. uh, (laughs) Stop better. uh, (laughs) Keep going. uh, That's pretty good.